You're listening to Simpler One Earth Living from Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works with co-hosts Lee Van Ham and Jerry Iverson. We're glad to have you with us today. And you're going to be hearing from hearing Jerry talk with a devoted and effective environmental activist in Northwest Iowa. Their conversation falls into this category of, gee, there's, there's more of us working for a healthy planet than I'd imagined. So whether or not you're already in the know about environmental activism in a Midwest state, you'll love what you're about to hear, and you'll get ideas for your own actions. Greetings, Lee, from Sioux City, Iowa, and Simple Living Works. And I greet you, Jerry, from San Diego and Jubilee One Earth Economics. Well, I just love the conversation you recorded, Jerry, for the show today because it's, it's far too easy to assume that not much good is happening in states that are such fertile ground for the growth of right-wing ideas. Um, so the states of Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota have been just such fertile soils, in, certainly in recent years and longer than that. Well, still, precisely in the area where those three states come together along the Missouri River, you talk with this effective activist on environmental concerns. So I want to say hooray, because in doing so, you help us break through this stereotype that not much good can happen in areas dominated by right-wing politicians and profit-hungry corporations. So, who is this person, Jerry, and how does she do it? The person is Carrie Radloff an unassuming, persistent Iowan devoted to saving life in the environment of her area. How she does it is what we talk about, but first I want to say more about Carrie. Carrie Radloff grew up in northwest Iowa on an acreage that has since been certified as a century farm. Her family was very involved in Boy Scouts, and by exploring the land and being raised under the Scout law, she developed an appreciation and respect for the environment and all living things. She attended Westmore University in her hometown of Lamars and was selected to be a Melton Fellow, which allowed her to travel extensively and work with and learn from people from other cultures, including Europe, Africa, China, India, and Chile. Volunteering is the center of Carrie's life. In addition to the decades-long involvement with the Melton Foundation, her previous service includes terms on the Leadership Siouxland Board and Iowa State University Extension Council for Woodbury County. She now focuses on environmental issues. She helped found Lus Hills Wild Ones in 2017. She chairs the Northwest Iowa Group of the Sierra Club and serves as its delegate to the Iowa Chapter's Executive Committee. She's a current member and former chair of the Sioux City Environment Advisory Board. Carrie worked for 15 years in higher education at Western Iowa Tech Community College and the Tri-State Graduate Center, where she helped coordinate training for nonprofit employees and leaders. After that, she was an ACA health insurance navigator and a wind energy advocate. Carrie earned a B.A. in International Communication and Mass Communication and an M.A. in Philanthropy and Nonprofit Development. She completed Leadership Siouxland and Climate Reality Project training and is a Master Gardener and Master Conservationist. She enjoys connecting and coordinating ideas, information, and people in order to achieve shared goals as efficiently as possible and is proud of the many things she and her colleagues have accomplished over the years. 
Carrie lives in Sioux City, Iowa with her husband. So Carrie, I see you as a ideal Midwestern environmental activist. So let's talk a little bit of three examples today of how you're active in protecting the earth. Let's start with your work with the city of Sioux City and the recycling program. Tell us how you got involved and um, how a citizen participation, are the city and the state involved in helping or the county? And is this a typical Midwestern situation or is this an exception? Well, I'm a bit flattered that you think I'm an ideal um, example of an environmentalist uh, in the Midwest. Um, you know, people who care about issues do what they can, and I think they always feel like they should do more. And in some cases, people should. In some cases, you just need to relax and um, and just do the best that you can. Um, and self-care is important, and I'm, I've learned that over the last couple of years, too. In regards to re- recycling in Sioux City, um, I don't know that it's a typical example of, of a Midwestern situation. I, every every community, um, you know, in Iowa in the Midwest is different. Um, recycling is driven by by the markets for the materials that are collected, by the the processing facilities that are that are available. And by the cost of transportation, and by the investment that the that the the city or municipality wants to make, uh, Sioux City is a bit unique in being in a tri-state area. Um, so our our garbage, our, our our solid waste, goes to Jackson, Nebraska, to the landfill there because we have we do not have a landfill here in Sioux City any longer. But our recycling is um, taken to Lamar's, which is just a half hour up the road. Um, and I mentioned that the, the processing facilities, some are uh, more hands-on and some are more automated. And the one in, in, in Lamar's is uh, a bit of both, but it would take uh, you know a couple of million dollars to, to really make it into something comparable to what they have in say Omaha or Sioux Falls. But of course, transportation is an issue. Um, Plymouth County, um, um, where Lamar's is, has has an excellent uh, solid waste program themselves uh, because they do have that recycling facility and they do have good controls on on what can be landfilled. Uh, some communities in the in the Midwest, I'm thinking of some in Nebraska and in Iowa, actually uh, have uh, and South Dakota actually ban materials from their landfills, effectively making them required to be recycled. Um, here in Sioux City, uh, we do not do that. We don't have that kind of control over over what people can put into the garbage. And our recycling program is opt-in. It's not required. Some communities require it. Therefore, we're, we're still, you know, kind of struggling with the education part, you know, trying to get the word out about what people can recycle and why they should recycle and, and, and try to convince them that it really makes a difference because it does you know and you know an aluminum can can be recycled infinitely without loss of 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 quality or material same thing with glass although we don't accept it in our curbside program we do have the purple bins from ripple glass around and, and that can be recycled back into bottles or into fiberglass insulation other materials um such as uh, paper can be recycled a few times before it degrades, and then plastics typically can only be downcycled. Um, plastics, of course, everybody should know by now, are 
a pretty awful material. And um, although recycling is best, avoiding its use altogether would be ideal. So you say that um, uh, it's voluntary to recycle at curbside. How is the recycling program paid for? Is there an additional charge for garbage pickup and recycling here? In Sioux City, there is no additional charge. It's included in part of your, your city bill, your solid waste bill. Um, you also you, know, you also pay for your water and your sewer on that, on that bill, but there is no additional charge. Um, in fact, if you have um, two or more garbage cans, you're paying extra for that second garbage can, and if you converted it into a recycle bin, you'll actually save money. You'll save, I think, about $30, $35 a year. And, you know, you're, 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 you're recovering that material that would otherwise just, you know, go into the ground somewhere and giving it a chance at a second life. That varies from place to place about how it, how it's paid for, and so it varies on how much people participate. And yeah, yeah, I, I should have I should have gone on to say that um, each 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 community contracts with their waste hauler, uh, so contracts can vary significantly. Um, so I know in some more rural communities, people do pay to recycle. Uh, some communities will have drop-off programs where you can where you sort them yourselves and drop them off into large dumpsters. Uh, so it, it it just it can, it can be kind of a, a mess um, <laughs> when you're looking at at contracts and moving from community to community because every program is different. Every program will accept different things, and I get frustrated when I see these you know, things pop up on social media, you know, like, you know, why you should never recycle your pizza box. Well, no, you can, you can do it here. They want it here. They want that cardboard. It's recyclable. The, you know, the, the greasy part is that's negligible. So put it in. So I, I get, I get frustrated by that. It's not necessarily misinformation, but it's, it's very geographically specific and you should always listen to what your municipality says is recyclable. We'll return momentarily to Jerry's conversation with Carrie. Canceling student debt is in the news. Forgiving debt is a core element in a One Earth Jubilee economy. Why? Well, because it frees people to full participation in life, releasing the debtor from the restraints debt imposes year after year after year. And it says instead, okay, that's enough. Reshape your life to be fully about what your heart calls you to and what your community needs. Forgiving debt also releases the one collecting the debt, some of which will never be repaid, from the moral burden of enslaving another person year after year after year. One Earth Jubilee fully supports freeing people to live without educational debt. And we also want to take this moment to salute Jubilee USA, an organization that has been working on forgiving debts of poor countries imposed on them by wealthier countries. Those debts are not repayable, but guarantee that those countries will remain poor forever, preventing them from ever bringing their wisdom to the well-being of the community of nations. And now Jubilee USA is urging cancellation of student debt, which averages 30000 per graduate, plus loans their parents have made to support the education of their children. Their website, that is the website of Jubilee USA, um, says that the total student loan debt in the U.S. 
is over $1.6 trillion, which is more than American credit card debt and nearly as much credit card debt and auto loan debt combined. Jubilee USA works to change these statistics by bridging religious, political, and generational divides to promote responsible student lending and borrowing and stop predatory student loan and debt collection practices. So check out their website, which was in the show notes. One Earth Jubilee is a Southern California affiliate of Jubilee USA. So let's make the Torah, Torah wisdom and the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts, real in our time, and let's cancel student debt. Well, now we return to Jerry's conversation with Carrie Radloff. Let's move on then. Um, some people think of the Sierra Club as a hiking club, but as the nation's largest environmental organization, membership organization, it, uh, its motto is to explore, enjoy, and restore, protect, protect the, the planet. And so um, you're actively involved in the Sierra Club. Tell us about how the Sierra Club is organized into groups and chapters and, and um, what your participation is in that. It's funny you should ask that question because Sierra Club has been going, undergoing a restructuring uh, uh, evaluation and process over the last couple of years. I haven't kept a very, very close eye on, on how that's going to look because it's still in, in process. But for now, uh, Sierra Club is divided into chapters which are typically states or larger kind of metropolitan type areas. And then within those are, are groups, and groups can be within a chapter or they can exist outside of a chapter where a chapter doesn't exist. And then they also have um, other smaller kind of entities called uh, committees, and we have one in south southwest Iowa. Um, it's called a, a Sierra Committee, and I believe that with the restructuring, they might be looking at something like uh, networks or regional hubs to go on either on top of the, <laughs> this other structure. It's 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 a very interesting um, thing having a, such a large organization filled with people who all ultimately want the best for the planet and the people in it have different ideas of how to go about it and trying to organize all of these, you know, it's a herding cats, basically. Um, you have the issues and you have the geographic, you know, sp specific areas. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, what I like about our Northwest Iowa group is, you know, we have a lot of very dedicated volunteers who try to get out there on all of these topics and try to affect change and try to, you know, try to educate people and, and get volunteers. Of course, the last year has been very difficult for that, but uh, we've, we've tried to get through that and we're looking forward to getting back out into people's faces, so to speak, um, in, the, in the next year or two. Well, they have what's the fourth Tuesday uh, potlucks here in Sioux City, and those have been handled by Zoom this past year. Um, there are some examples uh, biking with the monarch butterflies. So I mean, there's, uh, but there's just a whole wide variety of topics. And so, what is your position with the group? 
Well, with the group, I'm I'm chair of the the Northwest Iowa group. Um, we have a, a, an overseeing board called the XCOM, the Executive Committee, um, and and so we try to make decisions and and deal with issues and guide guide some things. The fourth Tuesdays, um, of course, we we had been meeting in person for you know a number of years, and then when when COVID came along, we had to kind of change things up, and so we decided to. Uh, restart quietly kind of the, 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 the potluck portion, which is, you know, it's a virtual potluck. How on earth do you do that? But it's been fun um, because people miss seeing each other and miss just having conversations. We could get kind of the education um, and information part from a lot of other environmental um, webinars and organizations out there, but it was really talking with, with each other that, that a lot of people missed. And, it, and it's fun to just get together on that virtual potluck but we are very much looking forward to starting those up again sometime soon. Now, in addition to then the group, we have the Iowa chapter, which ha contains a number of groups from around the state. And the chapter has an executive director and a lobbyist. So the protect part of the, of the motto of the Sierra Club uh, extends to reaching out to state legislatures. And I also have think you have a, a Friday discussion group online for the chapter um, called Listen and Learn or something to that effect and um, have some pretty controversial topics on that one. I mean, like stopping um, big beef feedlots and um, those kinds of things. Yeah, the Iowa chapter uh, really gets into those a little bit more controversial topics. Um, we do have a number of uh, lawyers on the executive committee, and our executive director is is, is a registered lobbyist with the, with the state legislature. And they are not shy about diving in and, and letting legislators know that, that we're watching and letting them know what we believe is appropriate for uh, the people who live in our state and downstream from our state and, you know, our, what's best for our soils and our future. Now, we bring up the idea of soils because there's quite a bit of controversy in Iowa about uh, the effect that uh, agribusinesses had on farmers, that uh, they use a lot more additives in the soil and those uh, toxins run off into the streams and eventually into the Mississippi and the Missouri River and um, um, there are organizations like ICCI, the Iowans for uh, Iowan Citizens for Community Improvement that are really fighting uh, those big feedlots and the, um, the runoff. Um, so um, it sounds like Sierra Club is at least um, through their lobbyist involved in those efforts. Yes, yeah. I yeah, Sierra Club keeps a pretty close eye on on what is happening in Iowa in regards to, you know, food production, water quality and and soil quality. Uh we can't continue to take things out of our soil forever. We need to start we need to rebuild our soils so that we can continue to to produce the the the, the food and energy uh, that the nation wants out of us. We have had a history of allowing our waters to become not so great. And 
it's it's a challenge to let some of these legislators know that you can you can protect the water and build the soil without destroying the industry. In fact, it'll help the industry be better and more sustainable in the future if we take care of these things now and it's cheaper to take care of them now than to try to deal with the consequences in the future. We have a lot of uh, municipal uh, drinking water drinking system drinking water systems um, that have to pull these nutrients back out of the water in order for their people to not ingest them and that is an extremely expensive process now if we can kind of take care of that so that they don't have to do that and keep those nutrients in the soil where they're supposed to be what's wrong with that why is that such a difficult concept to to impart are there any other topics related to the Sierra Club that you'd like to share? Well, Sierra Club, you know, they deal with just about everything, every issue on the planet. Um, if if you have an interest in, in anything, in pollinators, in native plants, in water, air, soil quality, energy systems, environmental justice, uh, coal. Um, we have a, an entire coal, Beyond Coal campaign here in Iowa to help shut down um, the unnecessary coal plants, you can find, you know, your niche within Sierra Club. It, it really is a great organization to, to get involved with. We'll return in just a moment to Jerry's conversation with Carrie. Uh, do you get tired of hearing how much CEOs are making compared to workers or how the wealth gap is getting bigger than it's ever been, or, well, been since 1980? Since 1978, worker pay has increased 12%. Would you care to guess how much CEO pay has risen since then? Well, 940%. CEOs are heads of corporations, so avoid participating in their products wherever you can. One way is to use every cooperative in your area that you can use. No cooperative pays their CEO exorbitantly. So for starters, be sure to bank with a credit union. Avoid big banks. Get your church and organizations to do the same. If you have a food co-op nearby, be sure to stop to shop there instead of the corporate food chain grocer and buy food directly from farmers at farmers markets. All these actions care for our planet. Big corporations and big banks do not. They, des they destroy our planet in pursuit of profit. So let's take action. The hour for change is late. Now let's return to part three of Jerry's interview with Carrie Radloff. You mentioned about um, native plants, and uh, I know that you're on the national board of the Wild Ones. Now, our local chapter is called the Les Hills chapter of the Wild Ones. So please, first of all, tell us, what are the Les Hills? <laughs> that's a that's a good question that other people can can describe much more poetically than I can. But the Les Hills, it's a unique formation um, that happened, a geological formation that that, that 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 built up over over centuries, many thousands of years, as uh, winds picked up uh, uh, floodplain silt from Nebraska and basically built it up. Um, on the western edge of, of Iowa. And it's, it's a very deep uh, structure. 
and the the soil is is extremely unique anybody who lives in the less soil recognizes it when it gets on their you know gets on their cars when they try to plant in it it's a very it's a very fertile soil but it is highly erodible um, when it's when it sits up when it's straight the, the straight edges it'll hold but as soon as you get any slope to it it's it's gonna you know it's gonna run off um, it is a highly desirable soil for construction because it doesn't have much organic matter or any and so it doesn't compact so once once it's built upon um, properly used as fill dirt um, it's it's not going to go anywhere and because of that our our soils are being mined and trucked out and you can see that happening all around Sioux City and it is it is absolutely terrible because once they're gone they're gone you can't you can't rebuild them and um, so we're trying trying to protect them it's very difficult to get people to understand why we should do that the only other uh, sizable formation which is much larger than here in, in Western Iowa is in, is in China and we have had people who visited China and, and to see what happens when you don't take care of it and to see how you can best take care of it. Well, now there's some efforts to restore the prairies. I mean, this was a part of the prairies and uh, Las Hills are, are part of, of the prairies, but they've been, uh, they're being depleted because of all kinds of different development. So uh, you have an organization called The Wild Ones which I understand is to restore wild plants and to help preserve the prairie. Wild Ones is more focused on what urban, more urban areas can do, individuals. You know, if you have a square foot of land, you can put some native plants there and that will help hold onto the soil and support pollinators and, uh, and, and you, with very little care. Um, other organizations do focus more on prairie than the wild ones do, but uh, we're really focused on on having more native plants introduced into urban yards and spaces and suburban and even agricultural um, because native plants are the absolute best choice because like I, like I mentioned, they hold onto the soil. Uh, they, they support our pollinators, biodiversity. If you want birds, you need to have native plants in your yard. Uh, they help uh, clean and filter water. So you'll see some like retention ponds um, in wetlands areas. They're very, the, the native plants basically do the work of removing some of these chemicals and slowing down runoff. They help with, with flood prevention because it slows the, slows the flow of water and it holds on to the soil so that, so that the water just doesn't you know, rush off. Um, so, uh, you know, we're really trying to get that message out there. Uh, and they, they require very little care. Once, once established, you know, in the first year, you shouldn't have to water them. Um, sometimes you may want to, you know, prune them a little bit to, to keep them looking, you know, aesthetically pleasing for, for the human eye. But it's, it's it's interesting how people have believe these marketing messages that you have to have chemicals and you have to have a green carpet for a lawn and you can't have 
any other plants that grow it has to be a monoculture otherwise your neighbor's gonna you know look down their nose at you and you have to water your lawn and fertilize it and then you have to mow it and you haul the lawn clippings away and they, those go into the landfill why why do we believe this stuff and you need to just step back and think about what what nature was before we interfered with it and there are actions that you can you can take that everybody can take to kind of get the land back to where it's productive and healthy now are there also native plants being used in public spaces yes um the the city of sioux city does uh does have a, a kind of a native plant program, so to speak. Um, they are looking at adding, well, they have added and, and are looking to add more native plants to to their own public spaces um, for the reasons that I've mentioned already. So is the Wild Ones, uh, as a national organization, are there many local chapters? Is it pretty much in the Midwest? Uh, there are chapters nationwide. There are chapters from, from California all the way you know, up to to New York and into Florida. The Les Hills chapter is the only chapter in Iowa, South Dakota, or Nebraska. So we kind of cover a large area, even though our focus is on, on Les Hills uh, plants, Les Hills natives. So anything else you'd like to share about um, your environmental activities? Any other encouragement you'd like to give others for their environmental activities? You know, there, there are two things a person can do when they're confronted with an issue or a problem. You can just sit back and complain about it, or you can do something. And if you want to do something, seek out more information. Seek out organizations like Wild Ones or Sierra Club or your your community's uh, you know public works or environmental departments to see what's being done what could be done and what you can do a lot of people uh, think that their efforts don't matter but I'll tell you what you put if you buy one native plant you find one native plant you plant a milkweed whatever it is you are going to be the best friend of some of these insects and the, and the birds and wildlife that will come to your yard and that will use that plant. Plants can be useful. They don't just need to look pretty. Thank you so much, Carrie, for your efforts and for being our guest today. You've been listening to my conversation with Carrie Rodloff about environmental activism. Have you listened to our other recent episodes? In March, Mike Little on the power of money, making all our money accountable to our faith. In April, arborist Robin Revae on reversing climate crises through informed tree actions. In May, Nettie Estudio on adding environmental actions to our spiritual practices. Do listen. You're sure to pick up thoughts you'll value. We certainly did as we created those episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast under the name Simple Living Works at your favorite podcast service. Individual episodes are available at Jubilee's new website, oneearthjubilee.com, and also simplelivingworks.org, window number three. Urge your friends to do the same. You're welcome to subscribe to Simple Living Works' various free publications for our monthly e-news, 
send subscribe to simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. For our weekly email that provides brief daily Simple Living nudges, send nudge to the same address, simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. Please tell us your thoughts on the subjects in this episode. Leave a message on the Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works Facebook pages. Until next time, this is Jerry Iverson of Simple Living Works with co-host Lee Van Ham of Jubilee One Earth Economics, wishing you well as we strive together to bring simpler One Earth living into being for the common good. Simply live, learn to live simply so others can live.